0: Good evening. Hey, praise God. We open your Bibles, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And our key verse has been through this entire series is verse 10. But I want to read you a few more verses because Paul is talking about the last days. And you have to be asleep if you don't notice that we're in the last days, that things are changing The courts are not supporting Christian values. The schools, the educational system is not supporting Christian values. The government is not supporting Christian values. I'm not going to get into the political arena, but with every president that's been coming in, more and more of the churches are losing their power uh, to present the gospel to this nation. And so... If you think for a minute, well, it's really not that bad. It is bad. You just have to watch the news or see what's going on. And now, you remember in the New Testament when Jesus was born and the Magi did not return to Herod. He wanted to know where the Messiah was born so he could kill him. And when the angel warned the Magi to go a different route, Herod killed in that area all two-year-olds and under He had them murdered. And so it's always been a plan of Satan to go after the innocent ones, the children. And now our schools are beginning to teach things to our children that part of our culture accepts, and the other part with the Christian values says it's wrong. And so I don't want you to become asleep or unaware of what is actually happening here. Satan, (coughs) excuse me, is releasing. From his armory, everything he can, before he gets cast into hell, and the ones still alive that can show the power of God—excuse <clears throat> me—are the Christians, the children of God, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. So, I want to get us aroused. That's why I preach this series on the last days, and I want you to rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Come here. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. <clears throat> you, however, know all about my teaching, and I've taught you about this, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my love, endurance, but tonight we're talking about, you know, my patience. Persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from who you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So tonight, we're going to look at the final character quality that the Apostle Paul wanted to be recognized for when he was answering Timothy's question, how do we make it in the last days when you're not going to be here? And the final thing he said was, you know my patience. Now, patience, I hear a lot of people tell them, well, you need more patience. And it seems like everyone's got it, but not everyone has it. They just say, well, you need more patience. You should ask God for patience, or if only you had more patience. But what was Paul talking about? Does it mean that your bus is late? Does it mean VTA didn't show up on time? Your car won't start? Or you do only have the money to pay for a, a bill? What exactly is he referring to when he says, you know my patience? In the Greek, the Greek word for patience is upomone. Upomone means to abide under. Upo, that's how it's spelled in the Greek. Upo is under, and meno means to abide. To abide under the pressure. In other words, to withstand the pressure, to not try and get away from the pressure, but to stand underneath it, bearing it, carrying it, dealing with it. The first thing that Paul talks about in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 3 through 7, is the soldier, the athlete, And the farmer. He says, take your share of suffering as a good soldier of Jesus Christ, just as I do. As Christ's soldier, do not let yourself become tied up in worldly affairs. For then you cannot satisfy the one who enlisted you. You cannot satisfy the one who enlisted you in his army. Follow the Lord's rules for doing his work. Just as an athlete either follows the rules or is disqualified and wins no prize. And then he says, work hard like a farmer who gets gets paid well if he raises a large crop. Think over these three illustrations, Paul says, and may the Lord help you to understand how they apply to you. Well, the soldier, he illustrates, the soldier illustrates single-mindedness. Wherever you're at in your Christian experience, you need to have single-mindedness. You cannot be doing everything. Our society likes to call it multitasking, but that isn't always beneficial to you. We're able to do it. You're able to be on your phone, your computer, your laptop, or whatever else you're doing, but it's not the way the Christian experience is to be lived. We have to have a single mind. That means not to be distracted from other things. So he says, illustrates single-mindedness. A soldier does not get entangled in civilian pursuits. He serves his commander. Well, who's your commander? Who are you serving? So whatever is going on around us outside of the church is not really our concern. We have to recognize, and I do wish so much that you would clap when I say this, we have to recognize that Jesus is in control of everything. Everything. So the soldier does not get distracted by things unessential to his mission. So he's not saying there's some are soldiers, some are athletes, some are farmers. We are all, we all have these three entities in our life. We are soldiers for the army of Christ. We're also athletes, and that illustrates discipline to compete according to the rules. An athlete trains and trains and trains, and then they cannot just get disqualified or run a different race or try to cheat because that's not an athlete. But a Christian needs to be disciplined. Are you disciplined in going to church and reading the Word of God and praying? Are you disciplined in the things that God requires of us? And then you look at the farmer. The farmer illustrates hard work. If a farmer refuses to wake up early and put his shoulder to the plow, he will have no crop to harvest. To have no harvest is to have no share in the reward. And here's the point with all three. Lazy people make bad farmers. They also make bad Christians. And if you've had it good up until now, may I assure you that things are going to change. Things are gonna be different. And one thing that Satan will try to do is to make Christians turn against each other. We can't do that. We have to be close to each other We have to have fellowship, we have to respect each other, we have to know that we are serving the same God, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, come on. Well, the soldier, athlete, and farmer, each of these have a training regimen and a specific amount of time before they can produce what is required of them. The desire is there, but the ability has not reached its desired state. The same is true with life. We must develop patience before we can actually feel we have arrived and can handle everything and anything. That's where God wants us. To the place where we can say we can handle everything, bring it on, Satan, and anything. We're not there yet. So what God is doing is he allows, I told you he does not cause, he allows trials to test us. So when you're going through a trial and it seems like God has forsaken you, that's a time to draw closer to the Lord. You don't, you, you don't have the right to demand an explanation for everything that happens to you. How many know what I'm talking about? You can't, oh, well, you raised your hand, praise God, you passed the test. <laughs> it makes me happy. But we cannot expect an explanation for everything that occurs. All we realize is that whatever happens, God says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And that's where our faith grows. So the same is true with life. We must develop patience before we can actually feel we have arrived. The ability to be patient when you are enduring pressure or you are enduring pain is totally dependent upon your focus on your determination. So I'm gonna ask you some questions tonight And I want you to answer them for you, not for me. What is your determination? What are you determined to do? What are you determined to become? What are you determined, where are you determined to be at as these years go on, as you are a child of God? Because Christianity, you know, we're not on a cruise ship where you just sit down and angels with 22-inch biceps come and just feed you whatever you want. We're on a battleship. We have a lot to do. We're not in heaven yet. We're headed to heaven, our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but we have not yet arrived. Now, it doesn't take very much imagination for Pastor Mike to realize. Every single person in this room is suffering with something. We don't all have the same measure of pain or the same measure of pressure, but if we were to allow you to come up one by one, you could actually share what you're experiencing. There wasn't this much pressure or pain when we first got saved, but since we became a Christian, how many know the pressure and the pain has increased? It's increased for all of us, including me. And I do read the word and I do pray and you know I'm in church. But that doesn't mean that there's no pain and there's no pressure. And it comes, my wife even quotes me when she tells people who call her and ask her for prayers, she says, you know, Pastor Mike says it could be a phone call and things change right there. It could be a knock on the door. It could be somebody you run into and they start start to share with you what they're going through. As quickly as that, pressure comes on you. So it is imperative. That means it's necessary, it's required that you know, number one, who you are. You should know this by now who you are. You need to know who you are. Someone told me the other day, Pastor Mike, where did you acquire that ability that you don't let people get in your face? You come back at them. Well, I said, Jesus has never put his finger in my chest. Jesus has never cussed me out. Jesus has never embarrassed or humiliated. Jesus has never called me out. Why would I let another person do that? Well, I don't do that. Why not? I am aware of who I am in Christ, and we just sang it tonight. You're my champion, but I'm your child. When you know who your father is, you know where your home is, then you know who you are, and there's certain things you don't tolerate. Satan tries. Come on, somebody. Satan tries, but you know who you are. Secondly, you need to know where you're going. This is not our home. We're passing through. We're headed to our home. He said that where I am, there you may be also. We are going to be in the presence of God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit forever. But this is not our home, so you cannot expect... I know some preachers that preach that you cannot expect this to be heaven. How many know this isn't heaven? Some of us do. You know, this isn't heaven. Now good things do happen. You know, you call it good luck sometimes or good fortune, but this is not your home. And the sooner you realize that, the better you or quicker you are to recognize. I can expect things like this to happen because this is not my neighborhood. This is not my hood. I don't live here. I'm passing through, I'm going somewhere else. I need to know who I am. I need to know where I'm going. And next, you need to know where you want to be. You know why? And this is why Paul's talking about patience. Sometimes you and I want to just give up. You know why? Because we're human and things can get rough. If you think it's just the elderly that have problems or have pains, young people have confusion also. Young people get mocked, they get picked on. They're not accepted into every group. They feel loneliness. But do you know where you're going? Do you know where you wanna be? You, like a person asked me many years ago, he said, hey, in front of everybody, as always, he wanted the attention, hey, tough guy, and I knew they were looking at me because he wasn't talking. He was talking to the Christian. Hey, tough guy! No one else answered. I turn around and I go, "What?" He goes, uh, "Since you seem to know everything about the Bible, the way you know how they talk, the Bible. <laughs> since you seem to know everything, how do you know?" And you know, he pointing his fingers in his chest, "How do you know?" Heaven's up there and hell's down there. Come on, come on, you know, they don't let you answer. They just start throwing it in your face. Come on, you don't know, tell me. Well, while he's trying to puff himself up, I just said, Lord, give me the answer. And then I turned, I told you I was looking at him like that. Then I turned and faced him. And I said, I'm gonna tell you something. I don't care if heaven is not up there, it's in your backyard. I don't care if it's in your backyard. I'm not so concerned about heaven, I just want to be with Jesus wherever he's at. Naturally, he got quiet. When I first got saved, I got saved because I didn't want to go to hell, I was afraid of punishment. But as you continue to grow, when Jesus says that where I am, there you may be also, excuse me, that's where I want to be, with Jesus. And if heaven is in Alum Rock Park, I don't have a problem with that, people. You know, I don't. Because heaven is only heaven because of who lives there. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. No one else. So, when you are able to maintain such a concentration on the goal, you're able to weather the pressure. It's just a bump in the road. Your Savior, Christ Jesus, is not going to forsake you nor is he going to forget his promises to you. I know what it seems like. It seems like we've been overlooked. It seems like we've been forgotten. And this is especially what the enemy Satan tells us. This then is where our faith in God comes into practice. It doesn't matter what you see, it doesn't matter what you hear, God is still God and we are his children. Come on, give God a hand of praise. I'm sorry, sometimes I feel like an evangelist. Come on, give God a hand of praise. So what are we to glean from God's word? Rehearse what you believe. You've read it, you underlined it in your Bible, it made sense to you, you even memorized it, you can quote it. Well, when the pressure comes, rehearse that, repeat it. Repeat it again and again and again. Rehearse the promises from the Word of God. This is how we fight the desire to run. We need to stick it out. Look at somebody and go, "Mm mm-hmm. We need to finish what we started, and we need to arrive where God wants to take us. So don't be so eager to question how God is going to get you there. When you gave your heart to Him, you signed up for this just like I did. So don't question God. Whatever happens, it's not God that's making it rough. He controls the pressure. But he's doing it because you are going to be brought into glory by bringing other people to heaven with you. Come on. Well, the opposite of patience is impatience. Say that with me. Impatience. Say that again impatience has to deal with the inability, this is so good, the inability to wait for the proper timing and to be in such a hurry that we're unable to trust God and to let him accomplish his perfect will in our life. A truck driver sat down to eat at an all-night restaurant. The waitress had just served him his meal when three guys riding Harley showed up and swaggered into the diner. One grabbed the man's hamburger and took a bite. Another took a fistful of his french fries and the third picked up his coffee and began to drink it. But the trucker responded with great patience. He calmly got up from the table, picked up his check, walked to the front of the restaurant, put his money on the cash register and headed out the door. And the waitress watched as a big truck drove off into the night. And when she returned to the inside of the restaurant, one of the bikers said to her, he wasn't much of a man, was he? To which she replied, he's not much of a truck driver either, he just ran over three motorcycles out in a parking (laughs) lot. Some of us are wired for action. And we get frustrated with how slow things move sometimes. And as we take a look at our heart and do an inventory of our life, most of our sins are linked to a lack of patience. While we might not drive over motorcycles, sometimes we wish we could, but we're going to discover that the road of impatience almost always leads to spiritual disaster. And we have two decisions to make. We can choose to wait for God where we are and not give up. Are you waiting for a healing? Are you waiting to purchase a home? Are you waiting for that job? Are you waiting for the right person to come into your life? We're not to give up. That's what patience is. And secondly, we can determine to go at his pace and not speed up to try and make things happen in our own will, in our own power. And it's challenging in our culture because our culture sends us to positive mental attitude seminars and you can accomplish and you are the winner and all this. But for the Christian, you recognize that he's determining the time, and he will determine whether it's, and if you prayed for something, and now there's a question, how many of you have prayed for something, okay? Hold, keep your hands up. And how many of you that have prayed are waiting for an answer, okay? I don't think it's any of you in here, maybe it's your relatives They get impatient. But what we try to do is rush things. What happens is, you, I'll give you an example, you meet a guy and you two run off and get married right away. You don't even know the guy. He doesn't even know you. You don't know anything about each other, but you rush it to happen. And things get into your mind like, well, my, my clock is running and I wanted to have kids before a certain age, so I just went ahead and did it, and we'll work it out later. That is impatience. We'll work it out later. How do you know what's going to happen? The first thing we need to do is to trust God by reading his word. Everyone read that, please. I've said it, and I've said it again and again and again. If you don't read this, you will not be successful. You won't make it. When pressure is increased you do need to go to the Word of God. If you don't read the Word of God, church, you think that you're going to make it by 28 minutes of preaching once a week? That's not going to help you. And you think that you don't have to read the Word because you're listening to Christian TV or Christian radio? I know Christians who can quote me everything that Christian authors have written them. I go, but do you read the Word? No, they don't. They read the Christian books. That's not the same. Impatience is derived from unbelief in the Word of God. In fact, it is a sign that you do not read God's Word. When you read the Word of God, your faith in God is increased. Your faith in God's love and in His power is increased. You learn to trust Him and, and not ascertain your next step by what is occurring around you. You don't live by the events that occur around you. You, thank you, you are responsible, you are to grow in wisdom, in God's wisdom. You are to grow in knowledge of God's ways and not his works. Don't do something and expect God to perform a miracle learn God's ways all the stories in the word of God will enable you to learn to trust him if you read them and learn to trust in them if you do not do that when the pressure is increased you won't be like the athlete the soldier or the farmer you'll give up secondly you are to trust God by praying to him everyone say that please Prayer is merely talking to God, not trying to impress Him, not trying to say the same thing over and over. I come to you, Father God, in the name of Jesus, Father God, and I ask you, Father God, help me out here, Father God. That's not the way you talk. Prayer is just talking to God. In fact, you could say, I just want to let you know that I know that you already know what I'm about to tell you. You're aware of everything. But it doesn't bother him when you give him details. It doesn't bother him when you tell him what you think needs to happen. But if you ask God to answer prayer, don't tell him when to answer it or how quick he better answer it. That's not prayer. Prayer is talking to God. But you won't know how to talk to God if you don't read the word because you don't know anything about him. Impatience is derived from the lack of speaking to God. Prayer constitutes dependence upon God. When you depend upon him and wait for his response, you are submitted to his authority and you trust his love. Satan will get you to stay behind God, and that's disobedience. God tells you to move and you don't. Or Satan gets you to go ahead of God, and that's pride, because I know better. We are to trust him and wait upon his timing for our decisions. When you talk to God, you become more and more acquainted with him and his power and his love. He controls the entire universe. I think he can handle your problems. A hand of praise would be adequate right now. Pastor Foreman used to give this illustration. When we look at a parade through a knothole in the fence, That little hole, all we see is part of a float as it passes in front of us, one at a time. Where God's at, He sees the entire parade from beginning to end. So when we come to Him and we ask for something, He already knows what's happening, but He knows how it's going to end. And don't think for a minute God doesn't want the best for you. He does. But what we think is the best for us, like In high school, man, you liked, if you were a guy, you liked a bunch of girls. And you even prayed, God, let her like me. Let that be the one, Lord. And then you go to your first high school reunion and you see her, you say, oh, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. What are you so excited about? Oh, nothing, 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 nothing. It's good to see you, thanks for coming. You get my point. You and I think we know what we need. You and I think we know when it should happen or how or with whom. That's not God's ways. Ask him, ask him. He's not gonna get angry with you. That's prayer, it's talking to him. And then you trust in God by attending church. Read that for me. Reading the word of God, praying to God, and going to church. That's how you stay strong in the times when your patience is being tested. Even though the phone call came in or the text message, even though things are done or people say things that aggravate you, you go to the word of God, you get on your knees and pray, and you go to church because he's still in control. But don't ever think for one minute, that is he even hearing me? Yes, he heard you. Do you know who he is? He is the creator of the universe. He is God. You can't tell him what to do. You can't threaten him. If you don't answer my prayer by Friday, I'm not paying my tithe. Really? He's a king, the king of all kings. So we respect that. You can tell him what you need, you can tell him, he already knows anyway, but ask him for his wisdom. Say, show me from your word, Lord, what scripture should I read that can give me peace to know that you're in control? If you wanna bypass this, it's not gonna work. If you wanna bypass praying, it's not gonna work. And if you just say, nah, I'm not going to church, it's not gonna work. Trusting God by attending church. When you attend church on a regular basis, you are to listen to the teaching and preaching of God's word so you can know the truth and the truth will set you free. Romans 10 17 says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Come to church prepared to listen, prepared to learn, not to be prepared to be entertained. He didn't do anything for me tonight. Really, bro? Really? When you go to the supermarket for groceries, we have your groceries ready. They know automatically what you need. No, you have to go down the aisle and you have to pick the food out for yourself. You understand that analogy. Well, don't come to church and expect church to be like when you go to the theater or when you're watching TV. You're coming to be filled with faith in God, faith in his word and to have love for one another. Come to church prepared to listen. Don't come with an attitude of how can they impress me tonight. Come in humility, come in gratitude that you are a child of God and you can hear his word without any restrictions because we live in America. This isn't a communist country but hearing must be accompanied by gratitude and it must be accompanied by growth. When the word of God Praying to God and church attendance are on a consistent basis in your life. The result is an attitude of patience and trust in God. The Holy Spirit is then able to guide you and to direct your steps so that he can crown your efforts with success. And you know what causes impatience? I don't trust God. That's the root problem. The most important quality in a marriage It's not love because love comes and goes. It's trust. Trust. And if you're... If your wife is named Linda and you call her Lucy, you know what, Lucy, I really love you. She goes, Lucy? Who's Lucy? Your trust is dissolved. You get my point. So you can take years to develop trust and you can lose it in a matter of seconds, by something you do or say. I want you to listen to this song from Pastor Jeremy, and then I'll ask you to stand where you're at. And I want to pray for you that God increase your patience in your situation and your trust in Him. I'm just like you, you're just like me. We're human. I'm not fully aware of everything you're dealing with. I'm not aware of the people that are trying to hurt you or people even in your family that are trying to do things to bring you down. I'm not aware of your financial situation or the pressure that's on you. I'm not aware of the physical maladies that you deal with every single morning when you wake up. But you are and your God is. And if you'll give me Just 30 seconds, go ahead and bow your heads and you talk to God about it before I pray for you. Tell him you know who he is and tell him you need him and you need his love. Play softly for me, Pastor. I know just like you, the situation has to change. Some here tonight may be at that breaking point. Some here tonight, you have cried at night in the darkness of your room, and you've even said, God, why? Why is this happening? Sometimes it seems like he's silent or he's distant. But I can tell you, if you would just During those lonely times, just raise your hand. You would feel his hand take yours. Because the Holy Spirit is protecting you. And no harm will come upon you. For you are a child of the living God. There is no demon that can conquer you or defeat you. Because the scripture says, the battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. You don't have to fight the enemy. He's already defeated. You just have to go stand with your Savior. He's the victor. Heavenly Father, I pray for every man and every woman and every child in this room tonight, including those watching tonight. I pray, Father God, in the name of Jesus, that you would place upon them a crown of peace, For it is your word and your promise that you said, peace I give you, peace I leave you, not the type of peace the world gives, give I unto you. In the name of Jesus, receive ye that peace that passes all understanding. You just need to rejoice and praise your God for the victory is already yours. We bless you tonight, Lord God. We glorify your name. We honor you and we thank you because we our children of the living God. Can we give God a thunderous praise tonight? Come on, come on, come on. Give it to him. Give it all to him. I love you, church. Good night, and God bless you.